Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Welcome here today. Go ahead and just let all of your um, stresses and anxieties go right now. Just shake them off of you. I don't know, I don't know what you carried in here today. Let this next um, 20, 25 minutes be a time that the Spirit of God just speaks to you. you there's no, we have no agendas here at the Dream Center Church. I'm going to preach straight out of God's Word. I'm a storyteller. I'm an evangelist. I'll get a little excited. If you're on the front row, you might get spit on, but all the people on the front row are great friends of mine. So here we go. So <laughs> if I felt it coming right there already, I'm like, that's going to leave here if I don't wipe that off. But um, it's nice getting into the pulpit and being excited about the Lord and what he's doing. And, and I'm telling you, today is going to be a day that we're going to get to experience. Um, who's ready to hear about preparedness and the Holy Spirit? Isn't it cool, though, that we also know that we can have the Holy Spirit but still not be prepared? And we don't teach that as a church. People say, oh, you got the Holy Spirit. Go conquer everything. But there's still a, a season of preparedness, even though the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And that we need to, to not say, well, you're going to follow the Holy Spirit. Mountains ought to fall. All these things ought to happen. Lives are going to be changed. Yes, that can happen. But there's also a vessel that the, the Holy Spirit lives in, us. And there's a season of us being prepared to be able to funnel and, and shape and focus that Spirit moving. So today, as we go into that, I just want to pray that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit would take over today, and that, that each and every one of us in our own way will have a, a word from the Lord, and we will leave here different than we came in. Amen? So let's pray together. Father God, Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. You are a mighty God. So Holy Spirit, fill this room. Fill the room in the back with all of the, the future generations, Lord. Fill the workers there. Fill, fill this place, Lord God. We just ask that the Spirit would, would move through our hearts right now, would stir our hearts. Let the saints be attentive, Lord. Let them rise up and their eyes and their ears be opened to your word today, Lord. God, if there's anything that would come out of my mouth that is not from you, I pray that you would bind it, Lord. But God, look, if there's a word that you have in me that you want to be brought forth, let me say it with boldness and clarity, Lord. We give it all over to you today, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So preparedness and the Holy Spirit. So we talk about being filled with the Spirit, especially I'm, people tell me I'm a Baptocostal a little bit because the Dream Center is a Baptist church. But sometimes they're like, boy, you speak a lot about the Spirit. I'm like, yeah, because I believe the Holy Spirit is this part of the Trinity, and you got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And, and the Spirit is something that is my counselor, it's my guide, it's giving me direction, it stops me when I'm about to go the wrong way. So I do speak a lot about the Holy Spirit because I believe it's through the Holy Spirit that we will see fruit in our lives and we will see the ability to put on the brakes when we're going down the wrong way or when we say something we shouldn't have said, it's the Holy Spirit that will convict us of being able to go and find amends when we say something wrong. So yes, we talk about the Holy Spirit, but it grows inside of us before it grows outside of us. 
I need to say that again. It grows inside of us before you see the growth outside of us. Amen? So that's what the Holy Spirit can do. So let's take a look at what I'm speaking about. And we're going to be in an Old Testament book, 1 Samuel. And, and we're going to be in 1 Samuel 16, but we're going to kind of preface it and set it up with um, 1 Samuel 15. And then we're going to even talk a little bit about what happens in 1 Samuel 17. And um, it's going to be a pretty fun story to tell. There'll be a little bit of reading here, but I promise you it'll also be exciting because you can't read this little bit of scripture without saying, wow. And you might have questions about like, man, I thought our God was a good God. I thought he was a loving God. He's just wiping out whole cultures of people. Hey, that, that's, that's valid questions, and I get that a lot. But I'm going to tell you, our God detests sin, and our God knows the hearts of sinners that are never going to turn, and he is not going to let sin destroy his work, and he will wipe out things to stop that. So in, um, in 1 Samuel 15, um, there's this king, his name is Saul, and, and, and God had told Saul to go and to take out all of the Amalekites. He said, I need you to take out each and every one of them. I don't want anyone to survive. I don't want any of their livestock to survive. I want everything to be decimated. Man, that's pretty way, you done got a long way from the Lord when God says, just take it all out. See, but what happens was, Saul, thinking that he knew better, anybody ever been there? Paul, thinking that he knew better, didn't listen to the directions of the Lord, and then he sends out his armies, and, and, they, and, they, and they take out this people, but they spare the king. Oh, boy. Boy, they spare this king because um, I don't know exactly why he did it, but I think that, that Saul thought, thought that he knew better than the Lord. Not only did they, they, um, they spare King Agag, but they also spared the best of the, the livestock, the, the cattle and the sheep and the goats. And, and, but, but all the messed up stuff, all the broken stuff, all the dysfunctional stuff, all the poor people, all the things that wasn't any value in their eyes, they decimated and destroyed it. But they kept what was good in their eyes. Man, that didn't sit right with the Lord. So the Lord tells Samuel, man, Samuel was the dude. If you study Samuel, Samuel walked up into your town and you started trembling because you thought he was fixing to bring the stuff. And, it, and you're going to hear about that in just a little bit. But, but the Lord says, hey, Samuel, um, I need you to go and tell Saul that um, he's no longer king. He doesn't have my blessing. What? Yep, I need you to go tell him that I am no longer with him, that he did not follow my instructions, and it's about his agenda, and it's not about mine, so I am no longer going to bless him. So Samuel delivers the message to Saul that the Lord is no longer with him. This makes Samuel mourn. And, and, and it bothers him because I think Samuel is just in a place where he wanted to see Saul. He was the one that, that brought Saul forth. He wanted to see Saul prosper in the Lord. And then we pick up in chapter 16. So I, I kind of set that up of what happened in 15 so that we can read chapter 16. So let's read it. And you can follow along with me. I'm reading out of the NLT, but you can follow along with me if you have your Bibles. We do not have it on the screen, and you can listen if you do not have your Bibles with you. So it starts here. It says, now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. 
But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. Remember what I told you? <laughs> What's wrong? They asked, do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rites for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. So when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. So Eliab being the oldest son of Jesse, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. I mean, we can all quit right there, couldn't we? Look at Richard, look at Richard Gay grinning. You know it's about the heart, don't you, Richard Gay? We got to get it messed up because I can relate to that. I'm five foot seven. So I'd be like, yeah, one for the short people. <laughs> one for the short people. You look at the heart, didn't you, Jesus? But, but you know, it, it is. We can make it about ourselves, right? It's just as bad for me to say God's going to use me because I'm short as someone to say God's going to use me as I'm tall. It's about the heart. It's not about our outward appearance. It's about our inward appearance. So then Jesse told his son, that's a big name, Abinadab, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemiah, but, but Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, <clears throat> the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one and anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. So before I read anymore, I still want to lay out the picture of what's going on. How old do you think David, so little David was in, in the fields. He was watching the sheep. He was watching, he was a shepherd boy. And, and he was out there working while all of the other sons were in the house just talking about wanting to get in front of Samuel. They wanted to be able to get the blessing that Samuel had. But David was out in the fields. How old do you think David was at this point? I ain't going to throw a dollar if anybody gets it right. History says that he's 15 years old. And, and it can be debated, but there's a, there's a lot of math. There's a lot of things that happen. But history is saying that this is a 15-year-old. Now, you think about your 15-year-old son. All of a sudden, he is being, fixing to be anointed by the Lord to be king of Israel. Wow. Wonder what those other boys were thinking. The tall ones. The ones that were 20 and 21 and 22. Man, God knew David's heart. 
David was out there taking care of his business, watching over his father's flock. Let's read on for a few minutes. In 14 and 16, it says, Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling, troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music, and you will soon be well again. All right. All right, said Saul. Find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war. He has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messenger to Jesse to say, Send me your son, David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul, along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse asking, Please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. Man, is that not deep. Now, I don't know if you just now understood what happened, but Saul was rejected by the Lord, and he is no longer the king, but he is still acting as if he is the king. David has been anointed by the Lord as the king, but he is still acting like the servant. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh-oh. Because sometimes we think we get a title or we get something and we need to go ahead and, and act like that, that, that. The definition of the world has given that. But, but David had the heart of a servant. David had anointed as king, but he takes on even more roles of being a servant. David was sitting there playing the harp for the man had, who had been rejected by the Lord, and he was the king. David was going home to watch over his father's flock in the woods. See, because here's the deal, and this is the point. It's sometimes when you take that role as a servant, where you will learn how to carry out the role that God has called you to. Because it's when David was being a shepherd is where he learned how to slay lions and bears and wolves and tigers and anything else that would try to take the flock. And that leads us into this next chapter. See, because in 1 Samuel 17, and oh, by the way, when we read 1 Samuel 17 and David is slaying Goliath, Anybody ever heard the story of David and Goliath? He takes a stone, knocks him right in the head, chops his head off. He's 15. Because sometimes you'll read scripture and you don't know how much time is in between it. So I went and studied. I said, I want to know if this is the same boy that got anointed to be the king that is still about the same age as when he goes and kills a nine foot tall giant. He was covered in the spirit of the Lord. See, David didn't do any of these things. David didn't humble himself and play the harp for a man who had been rejected by the Lord. David didn't, didn't go out there and watch over his father's sheep when he knew that he was going to be the future king of Israel. David didn't kill Goliath 
in his own strength. It was the Lord. And we, when we figure that out, and when we figure out that the Lord is the one that is doing anything that is great, then we can all of a sudden take all of the pressures and all of the binds and all. Look, your identity is in Jesus, nothing else. No matter whether it's, you go and put your best foot forward and no matter what it turns out to be, God says, that's on me, it's not on you. You're just my humble servant. Life is so much easier when we stop dropping Thinking that we have to perform. I don't, hey, here's something that just now came to me. It's not in my notes. But if you're struggling with anything, if, 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 if you've got bad finances, or, or you have a past, or you've been divorced, or all of these things, and no matter what you might have, and then you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is in you, that is not who you are. You have been bought with the blood of Christ. You might be a, a person who struggles with this, but you're a child of God who struggles with this. And God has given you the power to overcome it, but he may put you in the wilderness as a shepherd in order to do that. He was preparing David for something so much greater than David could see. So... That big old Philistine out there talking smack to the whole army of Israel. And they was all just cowering down. And, and, and David's brothers were, were in this army. And, and, and David's dad said, hey, take this bread to your brothers. He done been anointed as king. Go feed your brothers. And he came out of the field. He walks up through there carrying all of his bread, holding his stuff. And he's walking up. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Everybody's over here. That's a big old man over there. Woo! Man, that's WWE like. You know, that man's over there. He's doing that dance that Ivan and them used to do and everything. He's walking back. He's blaspheming Israel, but he is talking smack. David's like, why are y'all letting him talk so much junk about our God? Um, because if we go out there, he's going to kill us. Him? He said, I'll take him on. Man, his brothers get so mad, they told him to stop being proud and run on back home. He goes over to Saul. He had not been Saul's armor bearer and everything, right? He didn't got some leverage with Saul. He couldn't have walked into Saul's tent if he had not been playing the harp for Saul. See, God knew that. God was setting a step up. So when little David walks over at 15 years old, he said, hey, that man out there, what you going to give me if I kill him? Oh, I'll give you this. I'll give you this. Ooh, that's pretty good. I'll take him. You can't take him. He said, I can take him. I can't, but my God can. See, the spirit of the Lord was on David. These people didn't understand that. They started putting all this armor on him. They started doing all this stuff, and he was sitting there at 15. He was probably doing it. He's like, y'all got to get this off of me. This man going to jack me up because I'm using man-made resources to try to fight a godly battle. Take this armor off me. He grabs a little sling and three rocks, stuffs them in his pockets, walks out there and says, you're the one that the Lord is going to deliver to me today. Puts the rock in there, slings it, pops him in the head, grabs his own sword, cuts his head off. That's 15-year-old David. And the Lord chose to use 15-year-old David. God slayed Goliath. See, nothing of eternal impact can happen here on earth without first the Holy Spirit coming. Churches won't grow as a Christian. Don't take this the wrong way. But you won't grow. Your marriages won't grow. 
The people around you will not grow. The Holy Spirit, I'm talking about people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God inside of you gets credit for everything that is looking good in your life. But we want to narrow the Holy Spirit down to we need to pray up because we want to have a good Sunday morning service. No, we make it home to our house. And me not beating that dog all the way to the fence is the Holy Spirit taking over me kind of thing because like you just chewed up the couch. <laughs> and Barbara's looking at me like, what you gonna, how are you going to respond? It's the Holy Spirit that stops me from reacting. It's the absence of the Holy Spirit that lets us react in ways that are not of God. So let's take a look. Now we're going to flip over just shortly. To the book of Acts 7. Acts chapter 7. We're going to take a look at a righteous man. His name is Stephen. Okay? So Stephen is known as righteous because number one, the scriptures said that he was righteous. They said, they said, hey, we need to choose some men that are of good standing. And then we need to put them in charge of being able to distribute the food to the elderly and the widows. And we need men that are, have a righteous heart and so Stephen was chosen as one of those men Stephen was a man who loved the Lord and he loved the, the fact that Jesus he knew that Jesus Christ had came for him and saved him and that Jesus went to the cross and he died and he rose again and he sits at the right hand of the father and he is interceding for him and that the Holy Spirit now is dwells in him and then there were some false prophets over there. They were just teaching some bad theology one day. And Stephen called them out on it. Man, these people got so mad that they got called out that they went to the religious leaders, the religious people, and they made up lies about Stephen, which had Stephen drawn into court. And these people were going to get all over Stephen about what he was doing. He was probably just going to get punished at that point. But this man ended up... Oh, he ended up reciting the entire Old Testament. Told them everything that they thought they just knew. And then he shared with them. And he called them all these brought of vipers. And he said, you don't understand what's happened. You put the Lord on the cross. You're the one that nailed him to the cross. Your sins, all of your stuff. Man, he called them out and he just, man, he lit them up. To the point that they killed him. And you'd be like, hey, but he was full of the Holy Spirit. How in the world did he die? I want you to read a verse right here. Acts 7.55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. This is a man who was so passionate about his walk with the Lord who shared the gospel so clearly and so boldly that he was stoned to death. And you can search the entire scriptures, and it does not share another place that Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. Every other place, Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. But right here, as Stephen was being stoned by these men, had been drug out of the city, and he was hitting rock after rock after rock, was hitting him in the head, and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus stands up, and he gives him a standing ovation. 
We talked about that a couple years ago. But it's worth us reminding ourselves that it is not about our time here on earth. It is about our eternity in heaven. And Stephen knew where his eternity lied. And Jesus Christ was very pleased with him. See, you are filled with the Holy Spirit if you truly ask Christ to come into your heart and you follow him. The path to understanding more of what God wants for you has to start with having a servant's heart. We can choose to stay in the house. Look at these walls. Look at these walls. We can choose to stay in this house and wait for a Samuel to come by and say, oh, no, not him. Oh, no, no, not him. Oh, no, no, no. You got any more? Yeah, he's out there serving. Do you know that David, everything he was doing, Joe, was for someone else and not him? Y'all ever noticed that? That David wasn't doing things to build his bank account. David was playing the harp for a king had been rejected by the Lord to soothe him and to make him feel better in his distress. David was taking bread to his brothers who had mocked him and laughed at him and put him back into the field right before he went out and slayed a giant. What is your giant? Are you one of the brothers that are standing there and won't go over the line and you're cowardly looking at all of these giants in your life? Or are you the one who walks up and says, oh, I can't take him, but my God can. My God lives in me. Give him to me. Take all this armor off of me. My God's big enough. My God's big enough. We have to start with a Servant's heart, church. That's why we have love, serve, share, send. That is, that is put out there by God. It wasn't something I made up. It is years of just racking me in the head. It says if we, we love God and God first loved us, so we can now love God and love others, and then we learn how to serve them. We serve others. We don't only serve the people that, that look like us. We serve the people that God has rejected here on earth. Because of their actions. And he's had to turn away from them. Because it says in 2 Chronicles 7. He says if my people who are known by my name will repent of their sins and turn to me. I will come to them. But there are a lot of people in this nation right now. Who are not living like who God called them to live like. And it is our responsibility to play the harp for them. And to let them experience the soothing love of the spirit of God in their lives. Let God take care of the rest. I can't be the Holy Spirit. You can't be the Holy Spirit. So just because you have the Spirit of God living in you, see, that doesn't mean you have to be, don't, you're not going to be prepared. Consider it joy when you get sent out to the field. I know none of us want to go get sent out to the field. It ain't fun in the field, is it, Barbara? We have to be by ourselves. We have to kill lions, and we have to kill tigers, and we have to do things that scare us, and we have to be able to do things that we know that we can't even do in our own. But I'm telling you right now, if you're in a place in life where you feel like you are totally alone, that maybe God has got you in the forest because he wants to prepare you for something better, and all he needs you to do is to let go of your will and grab hold of his. And he says, if you'll just let go, let me... I will show you that you can face any giant that ever comes in front of you. And he won't scare you because you will know that God lives inside of you. And you can face your giants.
Hmm. So David was anointed as king and went back into the fields to the shepherds, his father's sheep. David was anointed as king when he went and loved the people that God had rejected. David was anointed as king when he showed the army that was representing God just how big as God was. See, because here's the deal. There's somebody in here that God wants to use to show his people that he is still alive and still working. And when he calls you to do something like that, he's going to call you to something so big that you can't do it in your own strength. David couldn't kill a 15-year-old, couldn't kill a nine-foot-tall man that had been trained his entire life to be a warrior that slaughtered armies. But David knew that the Lord could. And that's the same thing for you. There's things that God's going to call you to that in your strength, in your flesh, in your own being, you can't do. But because of who God is in you, you'll be able to just make it look as easy as picking up a few rocks in a sling. <laughs> That's pretty good stuff. Oh, Lord God, grow our faith. Amen. I want to be that man that can just walk out there with a sling and three rocks. Oh, he might have a couple brothers. Give me three rocks. <laughs> I know this first one's going true because my God don't miss. My God is an accurate God. He's an excellent God. If you think God don't work in excellent, go and read the Old Testament. Garrett and I were reveling over that um, Thursday. We was like, man, he works in dimensions and accuracy and all of this. He's an excellent God. So... It's in the serving that we develop our character and the dependency, dependency on the Lord. And as we worship here this morning, I would ask that each and every one of us just cry out and ask God to open up the eyes of our hearts. That, that we can stop being tormented by this giant that's in front of us and, 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 and sitting back and saying, don't you know he's going to kill me if I try to step out there and overcome this? If God has called you to it, he'll bring you through it. And God doesn't call the prepared, he prepares the called. I learned all these things through the L.A. Dream Center. Them up there, them Barnett's, boy, they got all them one-liners. <laughs> you want to be a savior and point people to Jesus, you better get used to being walked on. All those good ones that's in my head that won't go away. But Jesus inspired them to tell people of that because God is who God is. And I just ask that today as we worship, Come to a place where you let God be your everything. Let God be the one who can overcome your addictions, your struggles. If you have a low self-esteem, you start telling yourself, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. If you've got things that's going on through your head and you can't do it, you say, greater is the one that is in me and the one that is in the world. You let yourself know that the Spirit of God is inside of you and he may take you to a place in the, in the forest or out in the field. But he has a plan for you, and it's better than that of the world. Amen? Let us pray together. Father God, we love you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for taking us and putting us 
out with the sheep in the, in the field, Lord. Thank you for letting us grow to, to learn to love you and to love others and to serve you and to serve others, Lord God, that through that you will build character in us, not because of anything that we've done, but because of who you are and what you're doing. Lord God, let us clearly see the giants that are standing before us, that are freezing us and stopping us from, from moving forward and becoming and seeing everything that you have created us to be, Lord God. You have a purpose that is way deeper than the purpose that we have for ourselves, Lord God. I pray right now, Lord, that your spirit would open up the eyes of our heart so that we would be able to embrace this calling that you have in our lives, that we could live radical lives, not because we want to check a box or we want to go and do this or do that. We live radical lives because you are a radical God that lives inside of us and you called us to do things and go play Places that just doesn't look normal. Thank you, God, for putting a Samuel in each and every one of our lives that came and shared this good news of the gospel with us. And I pray right now, Lord God, that you'd let every man, woman, and child in here have the spirit of being a Samuel. To go in and sharing and anointing and calling and telling people the truth and the good news that we can stand up and say, Jesus is the only way. He is the only way to you, Father. May we be boldly in every step that we take. May we boldly be able to share that good news, Lord. And we don't even have to focus on the giants. You'll take care of them for us. We love you, Father. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.